because I still feel the presence of God in here. And uh, if you guys are listening to this message on the podcast, I'm sorry that you, you missed out on what's been a phenomenally powerful move of God in the service today. And I, I'm just telling you, I feel his presence in a powerful way right now. I don't really feel like he's done doing what he wants to do in us today. So if you'll allow me um, some moments, I'll, I'll, I'll share the message I got with you. Is that cool? Yeah. Is that good? Are y'all hungry for the word this morning? Yeah. You hungry? Um, if you got your Bibles, get them ready. If you got your tablets, get them ready. Uh, to your phones, get them ready to, to jump into the Word today. Um, if you got your phones, the message notes for today are available on a version or the Bible app. You can search under live events and see the, the name LifePoint Church and pull it up and uh, follow along with the message today as much as I stick to it <laughs> today. Um, How many of you guys have got phones? You got phones? Go ahead and take them out. I want to show you something this morning. I really felt like the, I really felt like the Lord laid a specific word on my heart for the church this morning. And I, I kind of went through a moment there where I didn't know if I was really going to, to preach this, but I guess I'm going to anyway because it kind of confirms the message in tongues and the uh, interpretation that we had this morning, which by the way, I really don't feel like I was supposed to be the one to give that interpretation this morning. So whoever you were, you felt God stirring in your spirit to give you that interpretation. Let me encourage you, step out next time. Step out next time and be obedient to what God's asking you to do. Um, I love these phones, these cell phones. They're like a two-edged sword, man, because like they can be real productive and they can be real counterproductive all at the same time, right? Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Um, but I love this thing because it gives me the ability to do so many things. I can do so many. Phones have come a long way over the years, too, when you stop and think about it. Y'all remember when cell phones first came out? Y'all remember way back in the day when there were no cell phones and you had to go to a pay phone? To call people if you were out on the road. Uh, how many of y'all, the older group in here, how many of y'all used to carry beepers on you? Beepers, pagers, you know. You may still have to, depending on what kind of job that you have. But that was a thing, man. You'd be cruising with your friends. You'd get that page, and you'd have to pull over to the pay phone to give the call to see what was going on. Y'all know what that's like? Look, if you don't know nothing about putting in a, a call on a pay phone, don't talk to me about how tough your life is. Man, you, you just... Pull over, drop that quarter, make the call. Did y'all ever play that game with your friends where you tried to, like, text? Or not text, but, like, you sent the numbers on the pager for, like, codes and tried to send words? Like, I had a friend in high school whose girlfriend would always, like, page him and send these numbers, and it was always like, hello, I love you, or whatever. And he had to look at the numbers and figure out what letter the number represented and all that stuff and figure out. Then I was like, man, that's just too much work right there. Just too much work. Texting is a whole lot easier. It's a whole lot easier. Phones have come a long way. When they first came out, y'all remember like the huge cell phones when they first came out? Man, so it was like a phone and a self-defense weapon all at the same time. They're massive. And uh, then phones went on a trend where they got really, really small. 
And then texting became real popular and phones started getting bigger. And then they put like these slide out keyboards on the phones and all of this stuff. You know, y'all remember all that stuff? Yeah. So there's like this progression of phones. But one of the coolest things uh, about my phone is that I've got a, an iPhone. How many of y'all are iPhone people? Yeah. yeah. How many of y'all are like Android platform people? Yeah. yeah. Wow, y'all got real rowdy. Look, I'm an iPhone guy, but listen, I'm an iPhone guy, so I got to represent. Look, I'm not a hippie. I do not do yoga barefoot in the park, and I do not smoke pot. So I might be the one, like one and only iPhone carrier that, that's like that, but that's, that's not my style. Not every iPhone carrier is like that. Dadgum Android people trying to slap labels on us iPhone people. We don't, we don't do labels because we're iPhone people, right? We're rebels. Oh, y'all Android people, we'll pray for you. But, uh, but I can, like the way my phone's set up, like I, I use it a lot for ministry and uh, used to use it a lot for work. I can, you know, email and text people and I can create, I can do like, I can doctor photos on here if I want to. I can create Word documents on here if I want to, Excel spreadsheets and all that stuff just off of my phone. It's crazy. The phones that we have today, I don't know if you guys realize this or not, but there is more technology and computer power in this phone I have in my hand right now than was used to put the first man on the moon. That's insane, isn't it? Right here. They used to have warehouses full of computers to do what this thing right here can do on its own. That's amazing to me how far technology has come. With all the stuff we can do with these things, though, I mean, how many of y'all end up wasting an incredibly insane amount of time, though, playing games and, like, hitting social media up, Facebook, Instagram, and all that stuff? Yeah. I, or YouTube. YouTube is the worst for me, man. If I see, like, a video on Facebook and I watch it, and the next thing, like, the, if it's a link to YouTube or, like, a video roll that falls behind it, man, it's, it's crazy. I was watching... Uh, a video on crazy hashtags from the late night show or whatever it was. It was hilarious, some of the stuff they were showing. But before I knew it, it was like an hour and 20 minutes had gone by. And I had been doing nothing but watching like four and six minute videos for an hour and 20 minutes. And I was like, holy cow, how did that, y'all ever had that happen? Yeah. yeah. But one of the coolest things about my phone that I like is that it's got a camera on it. And I can take pictures of any moment, anytime, anywhere, and create a memory or grab it or, or catch my kids doing something crazy and take those pictures I know are going to embarrass them later on in life, you know? Um, get that ammo ready. So I'm getting all kinds of pictures. My kids are going to have fun when they get, when they get married. We're going to have to negotiate the, the photos that will and will not be shown because I got naked pictures. I got I'm trapped under furniture pictures. I got I dress myself and look like a drunk monkey pictures. You know, I got, I got all kinds of pictures on my kids, and uh, it's fun. But what I've noticed, though, is these little cameras, they start trends, though. Like, because of the cameras that are on phones, we got, we got a word that was created called selfie, Right? Selfie didn't, wasn't, wasn't a thing until we had cameras to take pictures of ourselves. If it wasn't for the camera on our phones and selfies, we never would have had the invention of duck face. You know what I mean? It's mostly teenage girls, but they got the camera and they're up and they do the little hip thing and they stick the lips up like that, you know. Um, did I nail it? Was that good? Are you glad you showed up just for that this morning? I'm so sorry. 
That's the best I can do with it. So we, we've got stuff like that. Um, what if I decided to take just a picture of you guys this morning? Just gone through. I'm cracking up because what I thought would happen is happening right now, even probably subconsciously with a lot of us this morning. Now, I'm not really taking snapshots or photos right now. Um, but when I did that, I watched everybody go from smiling to, oh, my God, he's about to do it. <laughs> Just like that. Just like that. All the women, I, I, most of the women, I guarantee you're like, is my makeup good? My hair, some of y'all started flipping your hair. <laughs> Getting ready, just, just like that, checking your clothes, making sure everything was straight. All the guys started sucking in the gut and, like, sticking out your shoulders so you look good. You know, except for Larry in the back because he's just Larry and he doesn't care. So, so Larry's just Larry. But we, we started preparing ourselves when I started talking about taking a picture of you because we want to have the correct image of ourselves portrayed to other people, Right? Because we know that image creates perception. And perception can create a reality in which people view us from. Now, that's crazy, huh? Because image creates perception. I'll show you what I'm talking about. I brought some pictures of my kids this morning. And I'm going to show you the first one. This is my oldest daughter, Hannah. This is the picture of her. Hannah loves horses. This is the picture of her at the rodeo. Now, if you look at that, that image is creating a perception in your mind of my daughter. She's a cute kid who's out at a rodeo having fun. Now, this is my other daughter. Her name is Abby. You've probably seen her running around like a Tasmanian devil sometimes on Sunday morning. Now, in this picture, look, this is in Texas. This is around the Blue Bonnets in Texas. It's a beautiful picture of her. She's a little bit younger here than she is now. Uh, she's, I think she's about a year and a half older now than she was in this picture. But if you look at these pictures that I brought of my children, you're thinking, wow, Pastor Josh has got some cute kids. Pastor Josh is going to need a lot of guns when these girls grow up. I'm preparing. I guarantee you I'm getting a lot of guns and ammo ready for it. But the images that I'm showing you are creating a perception in your mind of my children. Okay? And in your mind, when it's creating kind of a reality or a filter, if you will, that influences how you view them. Y'all with me so far? Now, when I show you this next picture, the two of them together, it's about to change what you're thinking about so far. Go ahead and put that one up. See? (laughs) Now my kids are not sweet and innocent and beautiful. Now they're still cute, but this is telling you Pastor Josh's kids are just like your kids. Sometimes they can be crazy. Sometimes sisters don't get along with each other, right? Uh, sometimes Abby isn't happy because she's still learning that the entire universe does not revolve around her. The great discoveries are when you're three years old. <laughs> um, so the images that we see creates perception. Uh, how many of y'all remember the blizzard? I say the blizzard. All the snow that we had winter of last year. It's crazy, huh? Yeah, shut shut down the area a couple of times. It was insane. Um, the first time it snowed, <laughs> my wife and I actually went to Alaska because my sister was having a baby. So we went to Alaska where there was snow, and we were excited, and we we're like, yeah, we're going to see snow. And while we were gone, there was a blizzard here in Georgia. <laughs> I was like, man, that's crazy. That's just like God. So 
it was fun. But the second time it snowed, we were here, and we just had a fun snow day with the kids. And I brought a picture of that to show you. This is all of us. We took uh, a little sled out to the pasture next to where we live, and, and we got up on the hill, and we were sledding down the hill. And somewhere in the moment of us going to and fro and up and down the hill, we, I, I grabbed the camera, and I held it up, and I was like, all right, guys, let's get a picture real fast, and this is what we got. And this image captured a beautiful moment of that day. And if you're looking at this, you're saying, wow, that family's having a lot of fun. And we were. We were. But this is just one image of one moment and one part of a day. This image doesn't show you everything that happened the rest of the day. All right? This image doesn't show you that Abby woke up crankier than a, I mean, she was... It, it doesn't show you that. It doesn't show you um, what, we, what we were doing when we had breakfast. It doesn't show you what we did the rest of the day. You know what else it doesn't show you? It doesn't show you what our neighbors were doing. It doesn't show you what was going on in the rest of the state that day. This just captures one moment in one family's life. Because... Don't get ahead of me, guys. Like you see on the screen there, a photo can capture a moment. Now they're teasing us. A photo can capture a moment, but it doesn't tell the whole story. It doesn't tell the whole story. All of us in here have lived some life. All of us have got a journey that we've been on. All of us have experienced some good stuff and some bad stuff, right? All of us experienced some ups and some downs. All of us, if we just, if you live life, you've experienced some life. But I bet you, if we were going to look back. From your first memory of life up until where you are right now. When you look back and you think about it. You're not going to see like a continuous roll of footage. Of every second. Of every minute. Of every hour. Of every day that you've lived in life up until now. When you look back. You're going to look back and see snapshots. Of moments. From your life. Times that have impacted you, times that have influenced you, times that you were hurt, times that you excited, good times and bad times. Like when I look back on my life, there are things that, that stick out to me on the landscape of life. Like when I was 14 years old, I was in a really bad four-wheeler accident. I shouldn't have been on it, but my friends had them, and they had an extra one. And I was 14 and operating at mental capacity for a 14-year-old. So I was like, all right, let's do it. So they went tearing down the trail, and I went tearing down the trail after them, and they were going way fast, and they were much more experienced than I was. And they were ripping down this trail, and the trail kind of got uneven, and it was bumpy, and they shot right through it. And I'm like, you know what? If they can do it, I can do it. And I shot right through it. And, buddy, that four-wheeler started bumping, and I wasn't used to it. And I came up off the seat, and I landed funny. When I landed funny, my right leg went down low and got caught up into, in the rear tire of the four-wheeler and just went like that. I remember that moment. I remember that for a lot of different reasons because it jacked up my knee 
and it pushed my leg up against the manifold. And for what seemed like an eternity, I sat there while there was a barbecue behind me that was my leg. Third degree burns way into the muscle as a leg pressed up on a manifold, sat there for several minutes. So that thing burnt all it wanted to burn. And all I could do was go, I remember that. I remember that moment. Because it was a, I mean, it was a traumatic thing, but it was a big event in my life. I also remember when I met my wife, Kelly. That was a big moment for me. I remember when she walked in, the young adults uh, group that, that I was working in in Dallas, Texas. She walked in with some friends, and I remember the black boots that she had on. I remember the skirt that she had on. And I remember looking at her and going, mm-hmm, I'm going to have to do something about that. I remember that because it was a, it's a a pivotal moment on the landscape of life. It's like this great uh, snapshot of a big time in my life, a big moment in my life. I remember when my wife came through the doors of the church we were married in, and I saw her for the first time in that dress, walking down the aisle to me. Holy moly, that's a beautiful memory that I've got on the landscape of my life. I I remember that, Uh, and I also remember the guy who was marrying us. His name was Mark Brewer. I remember when my wife was walking to me, and I was just like, oh, my gosh, this is amazing. And then Mark was saying, dude, you're dead. You are dead. If you're going to run, you better run now, Pate. You better run because it's about to be over. You know, if you know Mark, you know, that's hilarious. I remember that stuff. But we remember the moments in our lives, right? All through life, we're capturing photos and snapshots of moments that are creating a perception of ourselves and of our lives. They all come together. They all come together. Now, the, the thing is, we got to be careful about is this, okay? That through the life that we experience and the hurts and the disappointments and the ups and downs and the good stuff and the bad, that the images and the snapshots that we have of our lives don't create a perception and an image of ourselves that doesn't line up with the truth of the Word of God about ourselves. Because life can cause us to see ourselves in a way that's completely inaccurate with what the Bible says that we are and who the Bible says that we are and what the Bible says that we can do. And that's the trap, that we look at those images and we create the wrong perception and we see ourselves in a way and we live our lives in a way that's not lining up with what the Bible says we can do and how we should live. See, that's the trap. Um, Paul, when he was writing in Ephesians, said it like this. He said, listen, in Ephesians 4, verse 1, he says, As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Live a life worthy of the calling you have received. See, when we live our lives, it has to go through the filter of biblical truth. Because there's the us that we think we are, and then there's the us that the Bible says that we are. And we're going to have to make a decision and choose whether or not we're going to line ourselves up with a perception of who we think we are or the truth of what the Bible says we can be and who the Bible says that we are. And this is what Paul is dealing with here. He says, guys, listen, don't have an improper image of yourself. Don't live your your life in a way that sells yourself short of everything that God has paid the price for you to have and for you to do. Live a life that's worthy of the calling that you have received. Step out and move out into it. And here's a trap. Here's a trap that we see it through the wrong perspective. 
through the wrong filter, and it creates the wrong image of ourselves. And we choose to let ourselves settle for so much less than God paid the price for us to have in our lives. Don't live your life in a way where you sell out the work of Jesus on the cross. Amen? Now, if we're going to live our lives through the filter of biblical truth, we've got to have some foundation that we build our lives on. And I want to give you today three things before we get out of here this morning. I want to give you three solid principles from Scripture, three solid foundational truths in Scripture about who you are and what Jesus has done for you, that if you will get it right in your heart and in your spirit, it will radically transform your life. It'll transform the way you see yourself. It'll transform the way you think about yourself. It'll, tra- it'll transform the way you operate in life. It'll change everything. If you can get these three foundational things that the Bible says about you, the Bible says that you have, the Bible says that you are able to walk in, not your own perception of who you think you are, but what the Bible says about you, because we have to live by what the Bible says, not really about how we feel about ourselves. Amen? So, so this is what Scripture says. I'm going to give you three things. And the first thing is this. The first one is this. In Christ, I am completely forgiven. I'm completely forgiven. Now, that word completely is highlighted there because it's completely, not partially, completely forgiven. Why are you hammering on this, Josh? Because too many times we look back on the snapshots of our lives and see the mistakes that we've made and see the failures that we've had, and we see the, the sin that we've committed, and we view ourselves as that person. We don't see ourselves as the person that's completely forgiven for every sin that we've committed if we've asked, if we've asked Jesus to forgive us. That's why that thing in Christ is there. If you're a Christian, if you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you've confessed your sins, then he has completely forgiven you. Completely forgiven you. And what we got to watch out for is that we, we see these snapshots of the mistakes that we make, and we think that God views us the way that we see ourselves. Are you with me? Yeah. When God forgives you, God forgives you. He forgives you. When you sin and you ask God to forgive you, He takes that and puts it on the cross crucified with Christ. And it's covered under the blood of Jesus. Ephesians 1 says it like this. Ephesians 1 verse 7. It says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. Guys, when we're forgiven, we're forgiven. You know what's crazy? Is that when we ask for forgiveness... When we repent of our sin and we ask, even if you did it yesterday, even if you did a swan dive and you did something incredibly dumb yesterday, if you ask God to forgive you and you truly repented of it and you received the forgiveness of God, the Bible says that he takes that and he casts that thing as far away as the east is from the west. It's gone. Now, I don't know if you've tried to figure out how far away that is. That is a long, 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 long way. The two points never meet up again. You got east and west and, and all that, two completely different ways. When he casts it out, it is gone. Did you know that when you ask God to forgive you, he forgets about it? That's what scripture says. 
So when you go back to him and you say, God, I'm so sorry that I blew it yesterday. If you've already repented of that, he's going to say, what are you talking about? That's under the blood. So that's, for, that's a foreign concept to us. Because I, if you hurt me, if you've done something to hurt my feelings, I can forgive you. But I don't know if I'm going to be able to forget about it all that fast. I mean, let's be honest. You know, when somebody hurts you or somebody does something to offend you, we can forgive, but forgetting about what happened, man, that's, that's not natural to us. The Bible says that God forgets about it. Gone. That means when God looks at you, he sees a child that he is madly and passionately in love with. When he looks at you, he sees someone who's righteous. When he looks at you, he sees a royal priesthood. When he looks at you, he sees somebody who is an heir and joint heir with Christ Jesus. When you ask God for forgiveness, he gives the forgiveness, and he doesn't view you as that person who messed up. He sees you as a child that he loves with all of his heart. So don't have the wrong perspective and don't have the wrong image of yourself. Get that. If you can get that in your heart and understand that when God forgives me, I'm forgiven. And God doesn't see me the way that I see myself. So if he sees me that way, I need to change the way I see myself to line up with my father's view of who I am. Why do you say that, Josh? Because too many times we feel like we're failures and we don't have what it takes to do what God has called us to do because we see ourselves as someone who blew it in the past. And I'm here to tell you that God makes all things new. The old is gone. The new has come. You are a new creation in Christ. And everything that he says that you can do, you can do because you're not that person. You're the person that he says that you are forgiven. And covered by grace. Amen? Man, praise God for that. That's powerful truth right there. That is powerful truth right there. The second thing is this. The second foundational thing is this. If you can get this, it will change you. That in Christ, I am free from sin. I'm free from sin. See, when Jesus died on the cross, he didn't just die for our forgiveness. Our freedom was purchased by his blood. Because before we were saved, we were a slave to sin. We had no choice because we were born into it. But when Jesus, praise God, when he breathed his last breath, when he rose from that grave, he came back with the keys to death, hell, and the grave. He finished the work, and he purchased our freedom 100%. We don't have to be a slave to sin in our lives anymore. Anymore. But a lot of people choose to stay that way, even though legally and positionally we're free from sin and we don't have to be in bondage to it. A lot of people are still caught up in it. Maybe you're here this morning and you're still caught up in it. Even after the powerful move of God we've had this morning, maybe you're still wrestling with some of that stuff in your heart and in your spirit. You know, way back in the 1800s, at the time of the Civil War, um, when slavery was abolished, and praise God, that junk was done away with. Amen. Praise God for the Emancipation Proclamation. Thank God for the amendment to the Constitution that granted freedom to all people, regardless of color. Yes. Praise God for that. Praise God for that. But you know that even though legally the slaves were free, they saw a phenomenon take place where legally they were free and positionally they were free, but not all, but a, a large group of, of former slaves still chose to live 
with their old masters with the same arrangement because they were comfortable with it. Because they were used to it. Because for generations, that's all their family had known. And even though positionally and legally they were free, they chose familiarity over new territory. And that's what a lot of people do with this whole, we wrestle with sin. Like Paul laid it out really great in in the book of Romans. Romans chapter 6 says it like this. Romans 6 verse 1. If you will put that up on the screen, guys. It says that, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Romans 6.14 says this. It says, for sin shall no longer be your master. Because you're not under the law, but under grace. Sin is not our master anymore. Not our master. He's not in control of us anymore. In Christ, we are free from sin. Why are you hammering on this, Josh? Because for some people, this is a radical concept because we've taught that we're supposed to fail over and over and over again in our walk with God. And that's not the case. Forgiveness is there, but Jesus did more than give us forgiveness. He gave us freedom from sin. I'm going to shock some of you this morning, but did you know that because positionally we're free from sin and legally we're free from the power of sin, when we sin in our lives, after that dividing line of that encounter and that experience with Jesus where he sets us free, when we sin, we sin because we choose to do it. And if you can choose to do it in freedom, that means that you can choose not to do it. And freedom. Pastor Josh, that's just crazy. Nobody can live a perfect... I'm not talking about living a perfect life. Did you know potentially, though? Potentially, though? You could live out a perfect life from this moment on and never make another mistake, never fail spiritually, never commit another sin because of the freedom that you have in Jesus. Before, you couldn't do it. But after Jesus, yeah, you can. We choose. Now, it doesn't mean that that we're not going to make mistakes. That's why God's grace is there. That's why his forgiveness is there. That's why the Bible says, you know what? If we do sin, if we do fail, then we can confess our sin to God, and he's faithful to forgive us of our sin. He'll cover it with his grace. But that was never intended to be like a daily pattern for our life where we just jack everything up every day. You know what I mean? Where we're just like, oh, God, please forgive me when we wake up. Oh, God, please forgive me when we go to bed. And we take every time we got a break at work, God, please forgive me for cussing out my boss. God, please forgive me for this. I almost stabbed somebody driving home today because they cut me off. God, please forgive me of my anger. You know, uh, he, he never intended for us to wrestle around with that stuff. He intended for us to walk in victory over it because he purchased our freedom at the cross. He purchased our freedom at the cross. Now, the problem is people get caught up in this cycle where they never break free from it because it's what they're familiar with because when they look back on the landscape of their life, they're going to see that image of them messing up and being in bondage to something. They're going to see that snapshot. It's going to create the perception where we think that's all we're ever going to be. We're always going to fail. We're never going to be able to overcome it. And it's usually that one area in our lives that we struggle to get victory over. So one is different for everyone, but it's usually one or two major areas. It's not like you're going to struggle with 80 different 
sins and temptations every day, it's usually going to be one or two specific areas that's an issue for you that you try to overcome. We get caught up in this cycle, and we're so busy trying to keep ourselves from going to hell that we cannot get our focus off of ourselves and see that there is a world that's dying and going to hell, and God intended for us to walk in freedom and reach them with the gospel of Jesus, not be caught in a repetitive cycle of ourselves and our struggles over and over and over again. Operate in freedom. You know, when David walked out on that battlefield to face Goliath, that guy for 40 days walked out and taunted the armies of Israel. For 40 days, he taunted them. For 40 days, he mocked them. For 40 days, he made fun of God. He did it twice a day. That's 80 times that joker went out there and defied the army of God until David walked out there. You can see, the army had a perception of the giant. And they perceived, because of what they saw, that he was undefeatable. When David saw him, he had a different perspective. He had a different perception of himself. He had a different take on the God that he served. When he saw Goliath, he saw Goliath defeated before Goliath was ever defeated. David went out there with some stones and a slingshot, and in a couple of minutes took him down and cut off the dude's head with his own sword. That's gangster right there. I mean, just snatched it up and cut his head off with it. It's like, bam! Can you imagine? How could you not strut around a little bit and just go, yeah! You know? He did that. But I'm wondering in our lives how many times we draw up a battle line to overcome an issue in our lives. And then the issue's there, and it looks like a giant. And instead of going to war, we let it intimidate us. We draw the line and go up there day after day, week after week, and there he is mocking, daring you to do something. That area is daring you to step out in that freedom. That area is daring you to trust God. That area is daring you to do something about it. Man, it's time for us to realize that we have freedom over sin through the blood of Jesus to walk up to that battle line, to look at that sin, to look at that area, to take out our slings, to take that stuff down, to kill it, to be done with it, and to operate operate in the victory that Jesus provided for us to operate in as a church. We've got to step out of a cycle of repetitive sin so that we can move into that freedom and reach the world that God has called us to reach. Amen? And today, if you haven't already, if you haven't already taken the head off of that issue, whatever it is, I pray that before you walk out of here today, you walk out of here choosing to operate in the victory that God has given you. Because you, you are free from sin. You are free from sin. Don't buy into the lie that you have to be in slavery to that. You are not. You are free. The third thing is this. I'm going to preach all day on this. Um, the third thing is this. Is that I am gifted and called. Not like me, but you. It's the truth. You are gifted and called. You are gifted and called. Everybody in here has a gift from God in your life. Everybody in here has a calling of God on your life. So you're forgiven. You're completely forgiven. You have freedom from sin, so there shouldn't be anything holding you back to use the gifts and the talents and the things that God has placed inside of you to accomplish what God has called you to do. And you might be in here, and you might be, when I say calling to God, that might create a lot of question marks for you. 
Because when I say calling to God, you might not even know what your calling is. And you know what? Don't stress about that. I'll tell you how to figure out God's will for your life and what he's called you to do. You throw yourself into your relationship with God. You get into his presence and you let him work on you. And from the inside out, the desires and the passions for what he's created you to do are going to birth. And you're going to be drawn to those things out of your relationship with him. It's not going to be like a flashing sign on the side of the road. Like, boom, 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 worship, worship. Oh, I'm called to worship. Okay, I'm going to do that. You know, I'm, I'm called to put worship, guitar, footnote. Okay, I'm going to worship with a guitar. It don't work like that. But it's birthed out of your relationship with him. Everything flows out of your relationship with God, guys. Everything. Y'all still with me? So we're all gifted. We're all called, every one of us, to do something specific. But what we do sometimes is we start looking at those snapshots, maybe of ourselves and our own shortcomings and what we lack. We look at those snapshots this time, though, of other people. And we see their gifts. And we see their talents. And we have a perception of, wow, they're so gifted. They're so talented in what they're doing. But we see ourselves as less than because we're not gifted the way that they are. We don't have the talents that they have. And so we figure, you know what, we'll never be able to do the stuff that they do. And listen, I got good news for you. You're not going to be able to do the stuff that they do. You know why? Because God didn't create you to duplicate their calling. God has a specific calling for your life, a specific plan for your life, and a skill set of gifts and talents that he's placed inside of you that really won't come alive until you step into the purpose of God for your life. We're all gifted and talented different ways. You know, I have the band coming up here. Um, A band is full of different instruments. Different people playing different instruments. Just like the body of Christ, we're all different parts coming together collectively to be one body. Amen? Amen. You know what's crazy is when you shortchange what God has called you to do, that means there's a dysfunctional piece of the body of Christ. That means something's not in operation that should be in operation. Can you imagine going through life without your left leg working? Right? Like every once in a while it'd be okay and then suddenly it just goes sporadic and start kicking all over the place. You know, it's just dysfunctional. You not operating in your gifts and your talents to do what God has called you to do hurts the body of Christ and it hurts the kingdom of God's ability to grow and expand and do what God's called us to do. What does that mean? Well, the Bible says this, that the body of Christ is built up as each part does what? His own work. That means you've got a job to do. Some of us are neck deep, hands on the plow, doing what God has called us to do. Some of y'all have sat on the sidelines too long, and the body of Christ is suffering. Because maybe you're looking at the gifts and talents of other people. Like, Jeremy plays the drums. Jeremy, plays some drums for us. If I tried to do that, I would look like a pretzel before it was over with. I couldn't do it. I'm not gifted that way. He's gifted to do that. He has a specific calling to do that right now in the season of his life. Dave can play a guitar. Dave, why don't you shred just a little bit for us this morning? 
play a guitar okay I can't play a guitar like that I can strum and be like yeah and I can't do that though different parts different gifts different talents but when you put them together and the individual talents come together something powerful begins to happen so these guys are going to play together for a second, and Shelly's going to use her gift to fill in the gaps. Individual things. Dave probably can't play the drums like Jeremy. Jeremy probably can't play the guitar like Dave. But instead of being envious and discrediting and thinking that they're less than, when they operate in their gifts and their skill sets, man, something powerful happens. Y'all listen to this. You're not in a bar. You're at a church. It's awesome. Bad to the bone. Why? Because in Christ, we are bad to the bone in a good way. When we use our gifts and our talents together, something powerful happens, guys. Don't you ever discredit what you think is not enough. What God has put in you is enough to accomplish what he has called you to do. And there is not one person on this planet that is more qualified to do what God has called you to do than you. You are perfectly gifted to do it. It's time for us to step into our gifts. It's time for us to step into our gifts and fill the gaps and watch the body of Christ be built up. Ephesians 20 or Ephesians 3:20 reads like this. We're getting ready to, to close out today. It says, "Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us." Hey, God can do so much more in and through our lives than we can ever imagine. God can do so much more in and through this church than we could ever imagine. When we have the right perspective, the right perception of ourselves, when we get the right image of ourselves and see ourselves the way God sees us, and we understand that we are completely forgiven, that we're set free from sin, that each and every one of us are gifted and called specifically to do something in the body of Christ to impact this world. When we see ourselves the right way and we get in position to be used by God in that way, man, powerful things can begin to happen. I want to ask you a couple of questions as we wrap up the service today as Dave begins to play for us. In light of all of that stuff that we've talked about, Ask yourself this, do I fully understand that God wants to do more in and through my life than I can imagine? Do we understand that? Because he does. He does. So many times we miss out on it 
because of the perception that we have of ourselves, because we see ourselves in a way that is not accurate with the biblical truth about ourselves. And when we see ourselves the correct way and we operate the correct way, powerful things can begin to happen. God wants to do more in and through you than you can possibly imagine. Don't forget that. And in light of all of that, let me ask you another question that makes sense to ask right now. Is it, if that's true, why would I sell my life out for a lesser vision than God has for my life? Why would I sell it out for something less? Why would I choose to miss out on everything God has for me? Why would I choose to live my life as someone who's defeated because I feel like a failure instead of seeing myself as forgiven completely for every mistake that I've ever made once I put it under the blood of Jesus is covered under the blood of Jesus why would I choose to live for in, in, in a way that's anything less than knowing that I am completely free from the power of sin in my life why would I choose to accept anything less in my life than knowing that I am called, I have a purpose, and I have a job to do in the kingdom of God, and God has given me everything that I need through my relationship with Him to, 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 do, to do it all. I've got the toolbox that I need. Why would I, why would I choose to settle for anything less than what Jesus paid the price for me to have? Why would you? Why would you? When when I take enough pictures on this phone and enough video footage, eventually what's going to happen? It's going to get full, isn't it? That memory's going to get full. Even with a phone like this, I've got incredible storage space on this phone. But if I take enough photos and videos, I will pack this thing to the gills. And I'm not going to be able to put anything else on it. How many moms have wanted to take a picture of your kid, but you already had too many pictures on there? So when you went to hit snap, it said, storage is full. You ever had that happen? And sometimes our lives can get so full of the old that we have no room left for any of the new that God wants to put in us. So sometimes we can get to the place where we're so full of images and snapshots to create perceptions of who we think we are that we don't have any room left for the new stuff that God wants to show us about ourselves. And the picture that God has for our lives, that beautiful thing that he had envisioned. Scripture says when we were formed in our mother's womb, that plan for our lives, that freedom. You know, sometimes you just got to hit delete. Sometimes you got to hit that button and delete. Wipe it out so you can start fresh and new. Some of us, we've been holding on to images of ourselves that we need to delete. We need to get rid of. And we need to start filling ourselves up with the snapshots and the promises of the Word of God and the vision that God has for our lives. Amen? So hit delete today. See yourself from the right perspective. Look at the images that the Word of God has in it about you and let that form your perception of yourself because in Christ 
in Christ, you're a completely different creature than you used to be. Don't sell yourself out and don't sell out the work of the cross and settle for anything less than God said you could have today. Amen? Let's stand to our feet.